Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. This is episode 67. I'm Christina Suzuma, your host for this program. Thank you so much for joining me as I continue to explore the wonderful world of healing arts, meditation, therapies, and the many modalities of helping each of us find balance in our individual journeys. We are always excited to meet those who are on the leading edge of creating change on this planet. Today we will be speaking about aquacranial therapy. So at any time during this presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. We will make sure that it is posted to our guest for a reply. Now, I don't know if you might uh, have seen our previous episode, 57. We interviewed a beautiful woman by the name of Lynette Knox. She was a certified, she is a certified aquacranial specialist who bravely stepped into place when the founder of the therapy, Rebecca Goff, had, had a family emergency. But today we are truly, truly honored to have with us Rebecca Goff herself um, as we discuss this incredible modality that is very new to the world today. I mean, when I say new, it's less than 50 years old. Um, as uh, we know, we have searched through many different modalities that are many, many centuries old here. Um, and she herself now can be with us and uh, share how it all began. Aloha and welcome, Rebecca. Aloha. Good to see you, Christina. <laughs> nice to see you again, and virtually this time. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for all your patience in bringing me here. Well, I have to share with our audience, uh, when I was pregnant at uh, seven months, um, it took quite a few months to search out Rebecca at the time, and this was uh, almost, uh, so it was over six years ago now, and uh, I was uh, truly thrilled to finally find her uh, in Maui, where I had the magnificent, magnificent opportunity of having her, and also a uh, protege of hers working on me while I was pregnant floating in the water and just the most magnificent experience ever. So of course this is uh, something that I've worked very hard to bring Rebecca uh, <laughs> to the forefront um, so that we can really raise uh, the awareness of what it is you do Rebecca because I think truly it is it's such a gift to this planet. Thank you Christina. Uh Really appreciate being here today. Um, Rebecca, can you tell us a little bit about your background and history, like where you're from and, and whatever compelled you to begin the work that you do today? I actually began working back in the 60s with cerebral palsy patients at the IU Med Center in swimming pools. So that was the first time I did therapy in swimming pools. And I combined what I learned there with my work with the whales and dolphins. We created aquacranial about 25 years ago. And I had studied with an osteopath for four years. And rather than going through traditional American medicine, I moved into Chinese medicine at that particular point in time. Mm. And then I also became certified as a marine mammal naturalist. And we combined the movements um, and the physiology of the whales and dolphins with human physiology to find a way to extend the health of the body and extend the life in more youthfulness and also to help these pregnant mamas and babies 
bring babies into the world in a gentler way. Mm, mm, how wonderful. Um, I'm sure you get a lot of calls when, when, when people associate you with the dolphins and the whales. They must be associating you also with uh, birthing with dolphins, which has become more and more upfront these days. <laughs> Yes, it is a fantasy. Uh, I actually know people who have done it, but it is something that you need a good midwife or a nurse trained midwife, someone who knows how to do birthing. Plus, you need a good water crew. So it's an amazing experience as long as you have your crew set up that will really be able to support you in what you're doing. And the health and safety of the baby and the mother, of course, come first. Mm-hmm. So have, um, I mean, have you attempted anything like that because of uh, the number of contacts that you have? <laughs> we actually do uh, pregnant women that are in labor, we will take them into the ocean. But for the birth itself, we bring them out of the ocean and use birthing tubs. We've not done any births in the ocean. I have a friend, Elena Tonetti, and um, Igor Tchaikovsky, they're in Russia, and they have actually done the birth birthing in the ocean. We have mm-hmm. not done birthing in the ocean. We, we bring them out when the baby's ready to come. Uh, then we do the first aquacranial treatment on the baby when they're still connected to the umbilical cord in the birthing tub. Mm, how fantastic. Oof, that is just gives me chills. <laughs> well, it's pretty amazing to be able to get in the ocean during labor. Yes, yes, it's it's I I uh I did we did attempt that um but uh, baby did not want to be birthed in the ocean so <laughs> nor yeah, the birthing I, tub so we had no choice. <laughs> there have been many mothers that I've met that have intended to be in the birthing tub that have ended up having their babies elsewhere. That that is not unusual. Yes. Yeah, see, they choose. They choose where they want to be born, and we have nothing to say about it. <laughs> That's right. All, all babies are born the way they want to be born. There you go. I will say, though, when I touch a thousand children that have been born outside of the water, one in a thousand will be born without any kind of restrictions. When I touch babies that have been born in the water, only one in a thousand will have some type of restriction. So if it's at all possible to do water birth, um, I highly, highly recommend it. And there's a lot of ways to do that. There are hospitals that have birthing rooms so that you can be in a birthing tub, but you have your ICU or any emergency uh, things that you might need in the hospital right there. And then there are centers that are strictly for birthing. And then there are people that just put that tub in their living room. And I've been at quite a few of those births as well. Um, so, uh, Rebecca, yes, it's, it's quite amazing the different, uh, uh, situations that us birthing mothers run into even last minute. <laughs> now, when you say that, uh, you used a word in there about children being birthed in water and children being birthed on land, basically not yeah. out of water, uh, that there is, um, what was that word that you restrictions? Yes. What what can you articulate what that means and what that is? Um let's see. How could I best put this? By restrictions I mean a lack of mobility, a lack of movement. Mm. So maybe there's a little more tightness in the shoulder with the babies or the or even elbows or knees or twist in the hips. There's more um 
more that we need to release mm. in children that are born on, in, on land than there is in children born on water. There seems to be a freedom in the body. Is when I say lack of restrictions, there's nothing that's restricting movement, natural movement. I see. Ah, that, that's very interesting. Well, I'm sure my son did because he decided that he wanted to be born with a hand on his face. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> and well, fully veiled at that. <laughs> it's like, it, let's say the baby lays on the side in the same position for quite a while during um, the time they're in mommy's belly. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe it's a nice little curve to one side. And like you said, your son has his hand like this. When they come out, if we don't straighten the body, there can be a uh, compaction in the intestines. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what they think is colicky babies is simply we haven't straightened that hip out so that the baby is straight aligned. Uh, so there are no pinching or impactions anywhere uh, in their intestines or in their bellies. Mm. So it's really allowing the body to totally relax mm. after they're born. Mm, How wonderful. Oh, I'd like to stretch out in that water now. (laughs) Come on out there. It's really good. Oh, absolutely. It's like uh, I would suggest that all uh, uh, mothers who are expecting to just follow you around until labor (laughs) and then after labor be able to stretch out with you, mommy and baby, you know. (laughs) It's really amazing when we get the grandmothers who have been uh, nurses in birthing deliveries before Mm. and them to see the difference. A lot of babies, when they're first born, are very tight. Their arms are tight and close, and their knees are pulled up. You don't see a baby totally relax and put their arms out and their legs out and lie flat mm. after a regular birth. But once we finish their first treatment, they're completely flat on the table. Oh, how magnificent. How magnificent. So, so Rebecca, can you explain in your words the process for aquacranial therapy? Okay, well, we're going to kind of break it down a little bit to make it easy. First of all, your spinal column is covered by a membrane, and within that membrane is the spinal column, all the nerves, and a fluid. This fluid detoxes the central nervous system, and it also brings nutrients to the central nervous system. So if you just imagine a garden hose that you turn your water on, and the garden hose is bent in half and no water comes out. The same thing is going to happen in your spine. If you've been holding your phone with your shoulder, (laughs) carrying the baby on the hip, you've got the purse that you don't want to slide off the other shoulder, we tend to get little kinks in that hose in our spine. And just like the garden hose that the water won't move through as efficiently, your cerebral spinal fluid and the cranial sacral fluid cannot flow if there are a lot of restrictions in the spine in different places in the body, but predominantly the spine, that's what we're working with. So one of the first things we want to do is straighten out the spine so that this fluid can flow without any impediment. Nothing is in its way, just like unwinding the hose. So when this fluid is going stronger, there's more detoxification of anything in the body that's ready to go out. There's more nutrients that come to the central nervous system. So it makes you literally stronger and healthier overall. The other thing with the cranial sacral system is it works like a hydraulic system in the body. So between the cranium and the sacrum, the fluid goes back and forth. And so it's supposed to go boom, 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 rest. 
boom, 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 rest. Mm. What happens is it's boom, boom. I hear the baby crying. I have to go make dinner. My husband's going to be home any minute. I've got to get to work. I haven't finished my job yet. (laughs) So there is no rest period there. And this throws off the fluid in the central nervous system and we can't detox as efficiently and we don't bring in the nutrients that we really want to get into the central nervous system. So what we do during aquacranial is we reset that hydraulic system Mm. and we bring it to that point where it will stop and you can rest. Mm. This increases the flow and makes people healthier in general. Um, With mamas that are over 30, women that get pregnant in their 30s and older, the pregnancy takes more out of their heart. There's a little bit more stress on the heart than there would be with the younger girls that are in their 20s and have babies. And we find that this actually strengthens the heart. Um, And then the last thing that we would do is to align the mother's pelvis so that birth is easier. Mm. When we, we don't really think about it. We fall down, we bruise the knee when we're young, we do gymnastics, uh, surfers go for tumbles on the waves. So we have a tendency to throw out our hips and throw out our spine. And when that baby's born, if you're off even a little bit, it's going to be more difficult for you to have birth, give birth, and it's going to be more difficult for the baby to move through the birthing canal. So by realigning the mothers during prenatal treatments, um, which is a lovely time to come and get treated. <laughs> they go back to when they fell on their head in gymnastics and had a skiing accident mm-hmm. and find those hips and straighten up the pelvis. And it just makes for a smoother birth. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Now, now, how does it differ from the craniosacral therapy that people do on land? This is, works on the craniosacral system. Right. So we are affecting the same system. The, this is not just craniosacral in the water. Sometimes people assume that's what it is. We have also combined yoga and how yoga works on the body, um, a little bit of pressure points, and again, the physiological moves of dolphins and whales. For instance, with one, we have a whale rock. And in the whale rock, we do a movement in the hips to bring more uh, mobility into the hips. And the way that the whales explain this one to me is we used to wash in waterfalls and go out in streams to clean ourselves. And now we're in these tight little tubs and showers where we can't move. And they say we've lost our hip movement. And what happens is it literally resets the equilibrium in the body when we do this particular rocking. And interestingly enough, if a whale is beached, when it's put back into the water, they will rock the whale to reestablish equilibrium with the whale. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm on my bounce ball each time. (laughs) You're ready. I can I'll just have to rock back and forth. (laughs) Well, that's good. Keep those hula hips going. Oh, yes. (laughs) And what this does, when you move the spine and you're moving the sacrum, it allows more of this spinal fluid, the cranial sacral fluid, to move up and down that tube that uh, goes from the brain and down to the sacrum. Mm, mm. Wow. Well, I've kept it up. (laughs) <laughs> You'll be proud of me. I've kept it up. <laughs> you can feel the water, I can tell. I, oh, yes. I miss it. So I <laughs> so I have to have it under me. You know? 
So we find that um, table treatments usually go about three times deeper. I'm sorry, water treatments usually Mm -hmm. go about three times deeper and three times more effective than a treatment on the table would be. Um, It's also much more three-dimensional, so we can move Mm -hmm. people in ways in the water that we could not move them on the table. I also work with professional sports, so when you have a 350-pound football player, picking up his thigh can be really difficult on a table, but (laughs) very easy to move it around. Uh, we're working with electrical. We get hit with a lot of microwaves and electrical waves and different mm-hmm. things on an everyday basis. And we don't think about it, but that literally causes us to tense our body. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in the water, the water insulates against these type of effects. So that right there, you allow, you, you're like, Oh, I can relax now. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize that can just be from the cell phone waves and the television waves that are hitting your body that cause you to tense up. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason reason why we do it in the water. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I can definitely say it's such a magnificent feeling if I can remember some of it. <laughs> You're a little out of it when you come out of the water. Oh, out of it is not the word. It's like <laughs> talk about, you know, cloud nine and being in la-la land. You don't even know you're pregnant. <laughs> you feel no weight at all, even after you're done. <laughs> well, we'll have mothers that will drive three or four hours and get up at four in the morning to be able to be at a clinic early to come and do this. It, it helps them so much through their pregnancy. Mm, magnificent, magnificent. Um, uh, and uh, so, so in the water too, the, the water, of course, is, as most people will know, water is such an incredible conductor of energy as well. Yes. So um, I know with my experience, um, you had those incredible tuning forks. Yeah. Did use the tuning fork. Yes. <laughs> the reason I'm in Maui, uh, January, February, and March is because that is when the whales come in. And we're not allowed to approach them in Maui the way that we do in Tonga. And we have to leave when they approach us. They don't know the rules. But mm. it is the sound that moves through the body that we want the effect from the whales as well. So when we don't have the whales, uh, we use those tuning forks. And they move sound through the body in the same way it as you would hear the sound and feel the sound in your body if the whales were actually there. Same thing with the dolphins. And we've found that everybody knows it feels great to swim with dolphins. Who doesn't want to swim with dolphins? That's great. But I wanted to find out why do we feel better? What does it do exactly? And one of the things we did was we broke it down to what particular tone, what note moves which bone in the body. And so by using different forks, we actually can move different bones. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's, it's basically sound frequency that you're working with then. Very specific sound frequencies. Very specific sound frequency. It's actually, it is so specific. When I first started doing this, the dolphins told me to work with crystal balls. And mm. I said, I already talked to dolphins and whales and I look really weird. So no, I won't work with crystal balls. <laughs> we had this conversation back and forth, the dolphins and I, what do you want me to do? Get crystal balls. So one day I got a phone call from a man and he said, you probably don't remember me. You picked me up hitchhiking one day. I was going to the airport. I just sold my boat and I had been a boat captain for 20 years. And you mentioned this aquacranial and you talked to dolphins. He said, and I thought you were crazy. 
He goes, I'd been a boat captain 20 years. Nobody, no dolphin ever talked to me. <laughs> he goes, but here I am. It's two years later and I am now a dolphin ambassador. And the dolphins told me to call you and they told me I'm supposed to bring you crystal bowls. And I found that quite interesting since the dolphins <laughs> been doing crystal bowls. And the thing that was amazing about it was he didn't bring one or two crystal bowls. He bought 60, 60, 60. crystal bowls. We had gold bowls, we had silver bowls, we had Moldavite bowls, we had all different types of things, and we played them above the water, under the water, on the body, to see how we could duplicate the sounds that we were getting from the whales and dolphins. And at one point, I said, okay, this bowl works, this bowl works, this bowl works, this bowl's junk. What's the difference? And that's when I found that when you have a crystal bowl or tuning fork, one in a thousand is an exact true note. So let's say a D moves the sacral bone. Mm-hmm. But when you get a crystal bowl, the odds of it being an exact D are very rare. It's mm-hmm. going to be almost to an E or almost to a C, somewhere in between. And we use these frequencies like lasers. So it's very important that they are the exact tone. Mm-hmm. And when I first told him, when I go, oh, no, I can't use that. I need." He goes, well, these are true tones, and this one's not a true tone. He goes, but nobody can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, well, just told you this one's junk and these ones work. um, And he goes, well, nobody can tell but musicians. It doesn't make any difference unless you're a musician. And I had to explain that uh, this is scientific. This is medical. And if I say a D moves the sacrum and somebody tests that bowl and it's almost an E, my research gets thrown out. Right. So all of the tuning forks and all the bowls that I work with are exact true tones. Mm. The the tuning fork and uh, crystal bowl companies kind of caught on to that. So now they charge extra for true tones, which oh. is between one and maybe 15 points off the exact note, but it's pretty close. Wow. <laughs> So we find the true tones very um, important. And then we worked initially with bowls. And we would start playing the bowls and then float them in the water so that the sound would come out and go through the water. Mm. And when someone asked me if they could bring tuning forks, so I checked in with the dolphins and to see if tuning forks would work as well as bowls. And the dolphins were very specific that we could use the tuning forks as long as we used tuning forks that were made of crystal. Hmm. And um, the reason is that the crystal itself is more in tune with the matrix of the crystalline matrix within the bones. So it's mm. more. Wow. Very specific. Yes. Oh, and we don't work, we don't work, a lot of people use the bowls to work with chakras and that type of thing, yes. which is really wonderful. Um, but we're not working in the aura and we're not working with the chakras. We're working specifically with bones. And so we will move the tuning fork to where it is right at the attachment between the bone and the muscle. Mm-hmm. And we let the bone literally sink into the fascia, just like we do fascial releases with our hands. We allow the tuning fork to sink into the fascia through the skin. So so that we get a very direct hit on the bones and on the attachments of the sound. Hmm. Hmm. Wow, that that's uh, ab- absolutely magnificent. It's so exciting. 
Are you ready to come back for more? Oh, oh, yes. Why do you think we're doing this? <laughs> Excellent. I can at least get an essence, you know. There you go. And I just came straight from the ocean, so you have all that energy coming. Oh, yes, magnificent, truly. Um, okay, so so that that is uh, we, we've you've gone now a little deeper than just you know, what the difference between um, the cranial sacral work. So now you've brought it to the water. Now you've explained about the, the, two, the bowls and the tuning forks. Now, do you still work with the bowls? Yes. Yes, we still work with the bowls. We still work with the tuning forks. They're not necessary for other treatment for every treatment but they do add to it what the dolphins and whales have done with us is they have taught us how to duplicate the effects of what they do so it's not like you have to be with whales and dolphins when you get this treatment we will have the same effects on the physiology that you would get if you had actually been out swimming with whales or dolphins and the same thing when we bring in the bowls or the tuning forks it's uh when people would ask me what i carried in my bucket it's like oh i have dolphins in there and so we can take the dolphin sounds i teach in pools in europe and it it allows the sound to move through the water. We also use color in the water sometimes when we have mm. pools where there's colored lights in, so we can switch the colors in the pool where the pool's all green or all yellow, all blue, all pink, and then we play different notes and allow that to just go through the water. So with the bowls, you could have ten people receiving treatments with different therapists at the same time and use one bowl that is floated on the water while the sound is coming out of it, and it's going to affect all of the water. Wow. Wow. Whereas the forks are more fine-tuned. Right. Well, the same, it's a more directed sound with the bowl, with the tuning forks, because we're actually able to put the tuning fork on the body so that the sound is going directly in through the skin and the bones. When mm-hmm. it's in the bowls, the, it goes through the water and then into the body that way. So it's much more laser quality when we use the forks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would assume because the ocean, uh, I know for speaking on experience, the ocean is so vast that that if you place the, the the tuning forks will be more precise for you. I sorry, I'm not. I'm... Um, I, what I'm saying is, in the ocean, um, yeah. which I experience, the ocean is so vast; it's not like a container, like a pool would be. That... Well, we still would use it. It still works. Actually, sound has been proven to go a third of a mile. There are people that say sound goes on forever. So when we use the bowls in the ocean, it will continue to radiate out across the water for who knows how far. Um, I have a little story about the the sound in the bowls. Would you like to hear that? Oh yes. (laughs) So when we were in, when we taught in Europe, we taught in uh, natural hot springs, and they came up into a swimming pool. So they would fill the pool, and the water would be hot, and it would get cooler each day. So every three days, they would refill the pool. And the water, if you put your hand about a foot underneath the water, you wouldn't be able to see it because the water was very red from all the minerals that were coming up out of the ground. Mm. 
So we were on our third day and we knew they were going to drain the pool that night. And when we used the bowls, we would have people do a complete aquacranial treatment and have the therapist open the sacrum and move the bones as much as they could. And then they would just put their hand underneath someone's sacrum while we would play the D note on the bowls and you would feel the sacrum move. Mm. So you can do a complete treatment just with the sound. So on this day, we had everybody knocked out. We'd already worked on all of our demo people. All the therapists were knocked out. Everybody's laying down around the pool. So I started playing the bowls for the earth and for the water. And I walked around the pool and I said, okay, now we know that the sound goes down a third of a mile. It could go on forever, but I'm playing to the center of the earth and I'm playing for the earth and I'm playing for this spring that has brought us all this amazing water to work with. And then I went, you know, went home, had my dinner and looked around Germany and went, wow, how wonderful. So I come back the next morning and where we were at was right on the corner of Germany and France and Switzerland. So everybody's speaking everything except English. Everybody's <laughs> running around. Everybody's all excited. And my coordinator had brought her daughter to me in uh, Maui years ago. So she knew me pretty well. And when I got there, she said, they have, they have to test the pool. And um, I said, why? Is there a problem? Is something going on? And she just gave me this weird look. And then she goes, Rebecca, just just come with me. I think you need to see this. So we went into the room where the pool was, and the pool was crystal clear. Absolutely. Wow. had a little effervescence. But there was no red, no color, just this crystal clear, beautiful crystalline water there. And people were freaking out. They're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, somebody must have put chlorine in the pool. We don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. And uh, so they tested it. There was no chlorine. It was just pure water. And finally, a German woman who'd worked there for about 25 years said, well, this happened once before. So it's not a miracle or anything. Uh, And one of the students looked at her and said, well, was that right after Sai Baba jumped in the water? (laughs) the girls were very clear so we we do affect this water and that was one of the things that I did learn when uh the man brought me the 60 bowls which was wonderful we not only were watching people's bones move in their body we were watching the water get clear and the Mm. air get clear so it's a phenomenal technique that not only works on the person that you're working on but it does work on the environment as well and was that a very specific bowl of a very specific note? It depends. Now, they all work as long as you have your true notes. I use F quite a bit if I'm just using a general note. F is for the heart. Mm. And, excuse me, most things come from lack of love or something mm-hmm. akin to that. So it can't hurt to... Mm-hmm put more love in the body. And I, when I first started working, I worked with an F and an F sharp. And uh, a couple of th- different things happen. If you have a note and you go a half a note off, you bring the brain into hemisync where it turns on both sides of the brain. Mm-hmm. The other thing is someone came to me that had studied music for a very long time. And they asked me why I use the F and the F sharp. And they said with those two notes that it will actually bring anything into harmony. So intuitively I'd use them, but apparently someone else has done studies on it. So F and F sharp. uh, F and F sharp, yes. So when you're using bowls, if you want a real quick one, uh, a B will open the head. It'll open the parietals. An A will open the frontal bone. Now... 
if I, I can use B all day long by itself, no problem. But if I use an A alone, it's going to open that frontal bone, but at some point it's going to make the parietals tight because mm-hmm. this bone has been opening. So if I'm using a B, I can use it by itself. If I'm using an A, I also need to use the B with it. Mm-hmm. So we break it down, um, as I said, which, which tone moves which bone, and we can do a complete cranial sacral dry treatment simply using tones without ever having to touch the body. Wow. So whether you be in the water or outside, that's I'll, how powerful. I'll do it both. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. I, I was just whispered that uh, you had used an F-sharp on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you seen the videos? We, will, we do aquacranial face up, but I recommend people get three to five treatments. Um, unless they're children, then they don't need that much. But normally we recommend one treatment for every 10 years of life. So if someone's 20, like you are, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, who's counted backwards suddenly? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We, uh, after we've hit about the third or fourth treatment, we actually will do face up on one path and then we'll put people in a mask and snorkel and put them face down in the water. And sometimes we work with dual tuning forks. And so you have two people in the ocean with you coming up the legs and the back of the body and all the way up the spine to the top of the head while you're face down floating in the water and having your bones manipulated at the same time. Ooh, that's nice. You have- <laughs> I can feel it already. <laughs> I agree. Next time you're in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, now uh, we've just heard you say that you've been teaching, you, you've taught in the pool. So, so it doesn't matter what body of water, as long as there's a body of water, you can right. do your techniques. Right. We can use any type of water and different water works for different reasons. Um, I use waves to traction the body. I actually will use the waves to do my stretches on the body by working in particular movements. Um, I I personally love working on big waves. I'll go out there in eight foot waves and I'm, <laughs> I've got someone on top of my hand and I'm pumping their diaphragm and my feet are four feet off the bottom and the waves are crashing. Um, <laughs> for some people, and I find that uh, for the therapist, it's best to work in salt water if possible. Now, when we go into pools, um, we do what I call extreme hydrotherapy. And people have asked me, what's the difference between this and uh, Watsu, or are they similar? And most of the people that have taken, have these type of treatments will say that this is, uh, the experience is more like rebirthing than it is like Watsu. And we work on the um, fascia, the tissue, the bones, and the fluid, where with Watsu, they work more with the um, the, the shiatsu points mm-hmm. and stretching of the muscles. So it's a more muscular technique than this one is. The other prime difference, and this is a big secret, Christine, I'm giving out for you. I've had people to try to get this out of me all the time, but I, I won't tell them if they're not. <laughs> but for now you you're intended camera. You are here today. <laughs> Um, with Watsu, they use body temperature water and we find that that is the least effective Mm. with the aquacranial. 
And it's partly because the body likes to go to homeostasis. The body likes to be in balance. So if we're a little hotter or a little cooler than body temperature, the body will respond more to the work we're doing. If we're in body temperature water, it's like, I feel great. I'll just lay here. Um, So we do what we call extreme hydrotherapy. And that's when we move into the pools. And we will literally move someone from a jacuzzi into a cool pool back into the jacuzzi again. And when we're when we do this, it loosens the muscles. And again, the aquacranial doesn't work on muscles. So if I've already done two or three treatments and I've loosened the bones, it's time to have the muscles loosen up a bit as well. Mm-hmm. So when we put them into the jacuzzi, the hot water will open, uh, will allow the muscles to relax so we can get deeper into the bones. And then the other thing that happens when we're doing our extreme hydrotherapy between hot and cool, it's the same as any hydrotherapy. When we put them into the cool water, it's going to flush the toxins from the body. And then when we put them back in the warm water, again, typically we've already done a couple of treatments. uh, So we've started to open up the spine. We get more space and we want to bring fresh blood. And that's what the warm water does. In addition to loosening up the muscles, it's going to bring more fresh blood in around the spine. Now, any difference between a chlorinated pool as opposed to, of course, we all want saline pool, but can you work in a chlorinated pool? You can work in a chlorinated pool. If you are in a chlorinated pool, you are going to absorb chlorine into your body, Mm -hmm. which is not the ideal thing to do. So as far as swimming in a pool, I I actually don't do it. The Mm -hmm. only time I I work in pools is... for instance, in Alaska, they gave me the community pool and we brought in about 20 kids at one time. It would have been much wow. more difficult to work in the ocean there. Um, and I would rather get the chlorine than not work on someone at all. Mm-hmm. And for the hot pools, it really is effective enough that um, it's worth putting someone in for that 20, 25 minutes. And again, they're in and out and hot and cold. But uh, we are very lucky. One girl works out of a pool on Kauai that is a saltwater pool and they have crystal waterfall and the water comes down overall. But we've also, then we have what we call outward bound aquacranial. Uh, where we hike out, like in, in Baja in Mexico, we hiked out into hot springs. And we would do the work in the hot springs and then come out into the cool pools, the, the creeks that were running by. Mm. Uh, Mount Shasta, we actually have went to Stewart Mineral Springs, and we have people soak in the mineral tubs, which are inside, and get in the sauna, which really helps start the detoxification process and loosens up the muscles. And then we put them right into uh, the river. There's a pond, a, a pool in the river, so they have fresh river water, water running through. So wow. it's extreme heat and cold. <laughs> now, it, it, recently I was uh, um, up in Mammoth area, and they have a, a lake up there by the name of Mono Lake, which yes. is one of the few alkaline lakes left. Have, have you ever uh, worked on people in alkaline water of that extreme? I mean, it's high salt. But it's extremely alkaline. Different types of water work for different different things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would probably take someone to that pool if I had an extreme case where they needed to be more alkalized. We, we're, we whatever's in the water is going to come into our body. Mm-hmm. 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 
And you don't, uh, uh, how do you feel about the pollution that's happening all around the world these days? Uh, it's so good that we can transmute all of it. And prayer is a powerful thing. Mm. We noticed years ago that the oceans were dying. There was no, no doubt about that. And now with what's going on in Fukushima, we've got an ocean full of radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we will probably, if we don't shift our consciousness, then we'll go extinct. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is, I will say, um, I was a uh, environmental activist from the time I was 16 and I'm 60 now. I was a political activist. And what I found was you can't change anything until you change people's consciousness. So aquacranial, we are working with shifting the consciousness. And years ago, the dolphins told me that they programmed the water and they had me work in specific areas because they said we would get things from those areas. We wouldn't get in other areas because of the programming they had done. Mm. And many years later, we had the scientists come around who works messages in the water and did all the beautiful pictures when they would talk to water and put words on water. Oh, yes. And he confirmed that, yes, water can be programmed. So when we're out there in the water and we're doing aquacranial, there's a lot of love there. And we work with the ocean as a living field. And so all that love that goes into the client and all that peace and calming and light then radiates out into the ocean. And it's always my intention that it radiates through the entire ocean. And I believe that this this does help to clear the ocean. I've worked with scientists in the past who've used different techniques to clear really polluted uh, areas, bodies of water. And uh, it is possible. Mm-hmm. Yes, is really coming back to raising the consciousness. The mass absolutely. consciousness will be very absolutely. powerful in, in creating that change. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, so, Rebecca, that, wow. Christina, I, I, I would, I'll throw in here, when the dolphins first came to me and they told me to do this work, they told me they wanted me to take infants and children to the age of three into the ocean to connect into their cranial sacral system, and then the dolphins would teach me what to do. And they specifically said that it would allow the body to hold higher levels of consciousness. So this work has been about consciousness from the very beginning for me. Mm. And then other, the autistic parents, the children's parents found us first, then we moved into the ADHD, um, and we've done every type of wellness work out there. I work a lot with professional athletes, and now we've just, as I mentioned earlier, we're getting people that are between 55 and 65 that are wanting to reverse the effects of aging as much as possible, and we have had some success with that, I believe. But this started, it was about consciousness, and they were very specific up to the age of three, and the brain grows considerably up till the age of three. When we come in, the brain is only at about 30% of its growth. And Mm. so in those first three years, we get 50, 60% of brain growth. Mm. That's uh, pump up the action. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's, that is just really so exciting. Your work is just so exciting. Um, And it's lovely to see how people are are really emerging out to find different ways of wellness. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear that, you know, this whole other generation of adults are coming to find your, your work and your therapy. I, I think that's 
fantastic. I, I think there is an awareness. There is a shift that's happening and has been happening for about the last 10 years. Um, but uh, again, that's hence why we have you on is, is so that more and more people can become aware of this. Um, Rebecca, you, you work um, also with children that have uh, physical handicaps as well. Isn't that yes. correct? Yes. Um, we have had children brought to, brought to us that they said are going to die. There is no way around it. If the disease doesn't kill them, the medicine will. And mm. those children leave here. And um, some of them have to continue with the types of treatments that they're getting, but they don't die. Mm. So, And we have children that are brought to us. They say we'll never walk again, and they leave here walking. We've had people that have come in that have a certain amount of paralysis, and they leave, and they're just fine. We're doing mouth work in this picture that you have up here right now. And I had a four-month-old baby, and her maxilla, the upper bones in her mouth, were rolled inside. Not four months. I'm sorry. She was four hours old. Mm. And she couldn't suck on. She, could, she couldn't latch on. She couldn't nurse because of the rotation. And it- was not a cleft palate. Right. So it actually, when they're infants like that, it's the easiest time to do the treatment. And it only took one treatment to literally roll the maxilla back out and align them. And she latched immediately. She nursed well. I checked her regularly. And she's several years old now. And she never had a problem. And that's something that would typically be dealt with through surgery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, you know, that's it's uh it's really wonderful for parents to hear that because again there's there's very it's very limited and very confining what is offered in the western world of medicine not say i mean every there's always balance there is you know sometimes it all goes together sometimes you know it's very uh, specific of what an individual needs are and uh, for babies, um, as you say, you know they, they come into the world so pure and and at the time to be able to work with them immediately uh, and to be able to see uh, such incredible improvement, how exciting it is for those parents. There's so many things that we can do with these children where if they're realigned right at birth, when it's so very simple to do, it's going to save them problems later. And as I said, I started working in pools with cerebral palsy patients back in the 60s. And if someone, we would have someone, their hand was frozen like this. And it was all about, well, how can they move and use that hand that's frozen to get dressed or eat their food? Um, And it never occurred to me back then that we could actually take a hand that was frozen like that and get full full mobility Mm. back into it again. And this doesn't happen every time, Mm -hmm. um, but it is, we actually, we have astonishing results. Mm, mm, mm. Well, I definitely hope that um, many parents will watch this interview, you know, who is dealing with certain issues. And now what about um, adults, adults with physical conditions? Um, do you find that you are also working with um, adults of, of that level? Oh, absolutely. We work with all different levels. Children were just my thing, and I, I love the babies. And so my research, we do free clinics, and part of my training, all my trainings were support to support the free clinics. And we literally quit counting after we'd done 10,000 free treatments on pregnant mothers. <sighs> and... Um, 
I learned from the children as well, our keiki releases, traditionally, traditional cranial works on the cranium and the spine. And I'd have little children that would come up to me and they'd go, Rebecca, you made my backbone grow, but my arm is still stuck. You have to fix my <laughs> arm. And in Hawaiian, keiki means child. So I literally worked with the dolphins and the work I was doing and created what we call keiki releases. And that actually has a, yoga, a lot of yoga built into it. There's a, a beautiful extension that comes in with the cake releases that opens up all of the joints. Um, so it's it's been a lot of research for me. Hmm. Wow. And it's and it sounds like you're continuing to develop and expand. Absolutely. I will never stop. I usually get bored very easily, and this just captured me. I, It's so blissful and so beautiful. And what I'm able to see, we work with, when we have the bones are really um, misaligned, then that's when I might be more likely to bring out the tuning fork to work with it. And we had a little girl who was six years old, and she was completely hunchback. People would come up to her mother on the street and comment on it. It it was that extreme. And um, we had that tuning fork in between the bones in her rib cage and and using it to help give us a little bit more movement so that we could realign her. And what people may not understand with this work, this is very, very gentle. Traditional cranial uses about four grams of pressure. So if you were to put a dime on your fingertip and feel what that feels like, that's about four grams of pressure. Mm-hmm. And with the aquacranial and the water work, we use closer to one gram of pressure. So when you're talking about someone whose bones have been frozen uh, for for a few years, like from birth, and we're able mm. to get in there and move those bones, I know some people think we're doing very uh, strenuous manipulations, and we're not. It's that's what's so surprising about this. You've had the work done yourself. Mm-hmm. It's very very gentle and very non invasive, and so I use sound to help move the bones if it needs a little bit more movement. And this little girl, we had three treatments with her, and we were able to completely realign her. And- on the last treatment, it was so phenomenal. We were just talking about her in a training I just finished because one of the therapists had been there with me. And it was so amazing, Christina. I walked up to her mother on the beach and I said, look, we know we've really moved her because her mother wasn't in the water during the treatment. Mm-hmm. I go, you look at her every day and you know her better than I do. I go, so I'd like you to look at her and, and tell me what you think. And this mother turned around, took one look at her daughter and just burst into tears. She cried for five minutes before she stopped crying. Wow. So, I mean, it's like, I have beautiful, beautiful babies and mm-hmm. children and amazing people to come and and the whales they do come and the dolphins do come in the areas where we are and we don't go to where there would always be whales or dolphins there we go to places where we're told there won't be any whales and then we have whales that show up and we have dolphins that come and we have rainbows and you're in the ocean so i feel incredibly blessed Mm. that people allow me to do this work with Mm. them Beautiful. Oh, absolutely beautiful. What a fantastic story. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's um, until until individuals actually experience it. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I hardly felt any anything. I hardly felt anything. I mean, literally, it was bliss. <laughs> At one point, I think you all walk. couldn't get me out because I wasn't yeah. responding any longer <laughs> with a double wetsuit on. 
which was, and it was very cold and it was a double wetsuit. And literally I, you lost me somewhere in, in uh, cloud nine, la la land. (laughs) So, and it's so beautiful to know that these children are so trusting. Um, Children get it immediately. They're very in touch with their bodies. With an adult, sometimes on the first treatment, they may not feel it at all. A gymnast always feels it. Mm. People that have done yoga are more in touch with their bodies, so they're more likely to feel their bones moving. By the second treatment, pretty much everyone can feel it. But children, they get it first time out. I'll have adults come and see me, and they'll go, wow, you really won over my child. It's like, well, they can feel what I'm doing. Fantastic. Oh, very exciting. Um, so, so Rebecca, how do, how does one find you? What is the best way to know? I know you travel, you travel with the whales, you go all over and just travel wherever they go, you are going. So (laughs) it's true. I get two whale seasons a year. (laughs) It's great. Um, I don't answer the phone. I don't have a cell phone. Uh, if people push me really hard, I'll give them my husband's cell phone number, but I'll never answer it. <laughs> <laughs> so the best way to get a hold of me is to email me. Mm-hmm. And I'm kissingwhales at gmail.com, uh, which is the name of my book. So that makes it easy to remember, hopefully. Which we have to show your book, too. <laughs> and, and when I say kissing whales, it's not that I kiss whales. It's that the whales actually sonar us. And I called that being kissed by a whale. And in the beginning, people said whales don't sonar. Um, and now they oh. say, oh, well, whales do sonar. It's a low-level sonar. It's a different kind of sonar, but they do it. But when they do this, it kind of hits us and it implodes from the inside out. And it opens up the heart and the chest and breathing's easier. Mm. So that's where the kissing whales came from. So if you want to find me, I've had people show up at the beach with a copy of an article and my picture in it and say, this is you. (laughs) (laughs) We found you. (laughs) Yes, but I actually am very good with email. And I don't mind. Sometimes they do get bumped out because I do get many emails. Uh, So if somebody ever emails me and they don't hear back from me, you cannot bother me. Please do just email me again somehow the email got lost. So it's very easy. And um, I, I'm happy to respond. Yes. And I've noticed now that you've also uh, have uh, notifications of where you will be and when your clinics are um, and uh, when you have trainings as well. So um, what does a person need to be qualified with to do your clinics to become possibly a certified therapist? In the beginning, we would let anybody volunteer for the clinic who wanted to come. But we Mm -hmm. found out with aquacranial, we disorganize the electrical system so that it reorganizes in a more coherent way. And um, I explain to people, even though I don't eat microwave food, it's similar to where with microwave food, they'll say, let cook five minutes, take out let's sit three minutes still cooking. Yes. So as you know, when we bring you out of the water, you're still cooking. <laughs> what we found is other than Reiki, any other technique that was done during that reorganization phase would actually throw the body out of sync as far as the process we'd already started. Mm. So we began to only have people help us in the clinics if they had been trained in aquacranial. So they had some idea what we were doing. Everybody is so helpful and so beautiful. So you bring someone out of the water and if people don't know what we're doing and how it works, they immediately want to chat 
and ask people, are you okay? Are you doing all right? And that's a point where we really want you to just lie still and be quiet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because you do come out and you're a bit altered. Um, if you have someone with you, I'll always have whoever, whoever I'm bringing out of the ocean, look at the person who came with them. So you would look at your husband and go, I'm okay, honey, because it can be when you come out, you are, um, in a state that can be a little unsettling to people if they Mm -hmm. don't understand it. So as soon as you open your mouth and you go, I'm okay, honey, then they're fine. And then we lay you down and we have you be still till the end of the, uh, reorganization phase. So. In order to train, I do four day, a four-day training that's a basic introductory training, and you can, when you come to that, you will leave with a technique that you can use. And there are people, this is on the menu at the Four Seasons here on Maui. Oh, my. Five Star Resorts in um, uh, Italy and in Germany. And so some people will just take the four-day training, and they will go to the hotels, and they will work with just that. Other people really love this work and they want to learn more about it. And we do have a 350-hour certification program. So just because they've done the training, they're not necessarily certified. And as with anything, anyone who's put in more hours has more knowledge. And is there a prerequisite? Like, do they have to be a massage therapist, a Reiki master? In the beginning, I would only take people that were already licensed. It does require that you have a license to touch people. Mm-hmm. So I teach nurses, I teach massage therapists, physios, physiotherapists in Europe, uh, chiropractors. I've had a lot of chiropractors come. I have doctors come that train with me. I was actually asked to treat, to train a group of um, osteopaths at one point, and I explained mm-hmm. that I'm not a doctor, and they said that if 50% of the syllabus is taught by a licensed doctor, anyone can teach the rest of it, which that was very cool. But my concern was that it would end up where only doctors could do aquacranial, and we don't want that to happen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) So when when people do come to me, so in the beginning, I took people that already had some type of a license, but there are some pretty good intuitive healers out there. So if people have the ability to feel the cranial flow, Mm -hmm. then I will take them and we go from there. However, they, they, they can treat their own family and friends, but they cannot do it, um, for money or go work in a spa or work in a doctor's office or anything like that, unless they are licensed. But anything that allows you to touch Mm. uh, will work. Mm. Occupational Mm. therapist. And so some people come and they don't have a license and they take this training and they fall in love with it and they decide to continue with their training and they go ahead and they get their license at that point. Uh, So, but it's not, is it a license through you? I'm sorry. Is it a license through you? I don't do it now. I might pick it up again, but Mm -hmm. I have at times done a um, massage therapy licensing program as Mm. for the state of Hawaii. And the reason that I did it was I had a lot of the moms and babies coming to clinics. And in Hawaii, it's very expensive. It's a difficult place to live. And um, I offered very low-cost training for some of my um, mamas who were um, single mamas. Mm. So they had a better shot 
as far as economically goes. And the my apprenticeship program, it does qualify people for licensing for the state of Hawaii. And the way that it works in Hawaii, you have to have 150 hours that include your sanitation and your um, Swedish massage, uh, ethics, that type of thing, office procedures. But the rest of the hours can be any technique you want. So I've had people that have done the entire 350-hour certification program, and that's part of the 600 hours that they're required for licensing. Mm, mm, mm. My goodness. Wow. So uh, that's uh, that's quite a, a lot for you to keep up, though. I could say <laughs> you need to like start a school in itself and have everyone else help you teach. And <laughs> we've, we've actually looked at that. I would love to see it become a two-year college program. And I did have an offer down in Mexico to do that down mm-hmm. in the Baja. And it was in conjunction with they wanted to give me a dolphinarium. And they offered me 40 acres of oceanfront land as part of a big multi-million dollar resort. And I could run the whole thing and do it any way that I wanted. And I was there for about three days and they kept saying, you haven't committed one way or the other. Are you like waiting for a dolphin to swim up? Yes. uh, (laughs) I'm just waiting for them to tell me if this is the place. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But then. Finally took me to the bay where the dolphins come, and it was an incredibly beautiful bay. And they said, well, this is where you would work, and what we want you to do is we want you to call in the dolphins, and then we'll throw a net in so they can't leave. (gasps) Uh, So obviously they had not done their homework with me, and um, we didn't do that. And so... Uh been moving quite a bit. I am absolutely anti-captive dolphin. And I'm going to throw that one out And here. will, and will. I remember when I first met you, you were going out at four o'clock in the morning to make sure that there were no whales or dolphins caught in any nets out there. Absolutely. We do. We work with the disentanglement and we did training with that down in Tonga. Um, and I discovered we had a lot of children come to us in the beginning when we first started this program, and it, I didn't charge anything for the children, but it's still expensive to get to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And we do we do work in deep ocean sometime, and we do have interactions with dolphins, although it's not a guaranteed part. And I don't sell dolphins per se in Hawaii. It's a big ocean; sometimes they show up. If people are coming for a dolphin experience, we go to the Bahamas. Um, but mm-hmm. when they would come here, I looked. I wanted to find a place where I could send children where they could interact with dolphins. I'm like, great, let's just throw them in a pool with dolphins and see what happens. So I went to many, many captive dolphin facilities around the country. And what I found were dolphins that were autistic Mm. and dolphins that displayed um, ADHD um, and ADD uh, different traits and dolphins that were incredibly depressed. Mm. And this is something you don't find in nature. Mm-hmm. So it was not a healthy environment for the dolphins, and it certainly would not be a healthy environment to bring children into. Absolutely. And the reason there are captive dolphin facilities is because people pay money to go there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, those uh, dolphins and whales, uh, us humans have a way of doing things, don't we? For our own pleasure. <laughs> it's actually illegal in Maui to have any type of a captive dolphin facility. Oh. We had a law passed in Maui County 
where none of the hotels can have any type of a, and we did that years ago. Oh, I see. That's Maui, because I do know in Oahu that they do have a hotel there with some captive dolphins. They do. And they also, on the Big Island, they have a captive dolphin facility. Um, I was over there not too long ago. It's a hotel that has captive dolphins. And Mm. I was at the hotel for something else, and it was late starting. And my friend walked me out, and we ended up next to the pool with the dolphins. And... I made contact with the dolphin immediately, and I'm like, hey, hi, how you doing? And the dolphin, the first thing that came up from the dolphin was fear. And I was like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry, you know, because the dolphin was obviously very afraid of people. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And so the dolphin got it immediately that I understood and was able to communicate. And he would come over to the side of the pool and roll over on his side. And I'm crying and going, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, while I'm looking at the dolphin and looking at how far it is to the ocean and am I going to be strong enough to jump the wall and get this dolphin and run him over and throw him in. (laughs) And my girlfriend who's beside me is like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, you know, and she's sure that I'm going to jump the wall and stop (laughs) you know. Um, Very, it's, it's so cruel. I think that anyone who works with captive dolphins, when the show's over at the end of the day, instead of them going home and watching TV and getting on the computer and being with their loved ones and going out to dinner, I think somebody should throw them in a pool and make them stay locked in that one room and not go anywhere. And um, then we might wake up a little bit more. If Mm -hmm. you swim in the wild with dolphins, you could never put them into a pool like that. And sadly, that's what's happened to us. We've locked ourselves in and we don't run around on the grass. In Germany, they actually have spots where they take children out to walk barefoot on the grass. It's fabulous. It has to be an actual event or class or seminar that we take take our shoes off and connect with the electromagnetic field of the earth these days. It's Mm. very interesting. Mm. Wow, that's a whole nother show. Okay, back to babies and children. (laughs) Let them run free and be free like dolphins. (laughs) Well, I'm going to bring up on the screen right now your book, Kissing Whales, Healing Dolphins. There we go. And this was a book that you wrote actually very early on. Isn't that right? Yes, I actually wrote this book because I want—I was tired of answering the same questions over and over <laughs> again, and I wanted to give people kind of an idea of what it was like, an overview. There's one chapter on a therapist and what it's like to go through therapist training, and I wanted people to be aware of how dedicated these people are that do this work, that mm-hmm. come in and do it. So it shows what I put these girls through. I'm a very hard teacher. <laughs> the four-day training is an easy one. That's why not everyone <laughs> certifies. I'm very tight. <laughs> we throw babies in the ocean with, when there's sharks, you know. Yeah. So you have to be very conscious of what you're doing. You have people that are having seizures and giant waves. So if we have to it, we have people's lives in our hands. So yes. I, I take it very seriously and the training goes the same way. And so, and then the book has a chapter on the dolphins and how that works. There is a chapter in the book on the tones that we talked about earlier, which tones move, which bones in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually in the book. And then there's a couple of stories on different um, children that have come 
to see me. And I've not read that book in a really long time <laughs> because I know I would want to rewrite it eight different ways. And it might be, you know what? Actually, you may want to publish uh, chapter two. <laughs> yes, we will do a, a, another book on that one. I'm just now finishing one called Swimming with Whales. Uh-huh. And when that one finishes, I probably will do a second book uh, with the, on the children, the, yes. the Kissing Whales book, another one. Yes. Well, especially now it's, it's just come, you know, every five to 10 years, it's uh, everything evolves into another territory. It's, it, if I had the time to get out of the water, <laughs> sometimes it's like, well, do I write a chapter or do I treat 10 more children? There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I want to really thank you so much, Rebecca, for your time. And I know we've taken you out of the water, but, uh, <laughs> but ho- hopefully we will be bringing through this, we will be bringing more people towards the water to you and all the wonderful work that you do and that you bless this planet with really, you know, not just for us uh, humans, but also the incredible work that you do with the dolphins and the whales, which is really the planet. So really magnificent. We're so very honored to have spent this time with you. Thank you so much, Christina. You, you are a true angel and a blessing for the rest of us as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And of course, I'd like to thank Segovia Smith and the rest of the Yoga Hub team for making this all possible. And of course, to each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're always grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing how, your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. And of course, we'd like to remind you that uh, you can contact Rebecca Goff at aquacranial.com. And of course, that will be also on the website with other links to some work that she has done. And uh, we would, as I say, love to hear from you. If you could call us at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. would love to receive your comments and suggestions. Thank you so much. And until next time, namaste. YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. Come join Dr. Glenn Woolman and Christina Suzuma as they journey through the healthcare galaxy interviewing doctors, healthcare practitioners in the attempt to share ways to achieve optimal health. Join us on yogahub.tv every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Breathing is a very important part of everything we do. And in the Wallman metaphor square breath, you can imagine or see the picture of a square. In the bottom left-hand corner is uh, an A, and then up in the left-hand corner is B, then over is C, and then at the bottom right is D. This is the metaphor square breath. If you think about it, when a person uh, is born, the first thing that they do in life uh, that declares that they're an individual is to take a, a deep breath, and that's inspiration, and we make that inspirational.